on this episode of Tracking West, an interview with Jen Brown, Canadian Paralympian. Jen will talk about the recent postponement of the Olympics and Paralympics for 2020. And resources for athletes going forward. Thanks for joining me. My name is Stuart York, and this is Tracking West. I'm joined now by Canadian Paralympian and Pan Am gold medalist from Calgary, Jen Brown. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, you are the Pan Am, reigning Pan Am, Para Pan Am gold medalist in the uh, F38. That's right? Correct, yes. Discus. And uh, you are also on a couple of uh, committees. One is the Athletics Canada Athlete Council, and the other one is the Canadian Paralympic Athletes Council. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And so the last uh, two weeks have been very interesting for everyone involved with sport, not knowing where what the future holds and uh, this global pandemic. And the Canadian Olympic Association, in concert with uh, their national sport associations, uh, came out a couple of days ago. We're recording this on uh, Monday, the 24th of March. Sorry, Tuesday. Uh, over the weekend... COA said that they would not be sending athletes to Tokyo in July. Then today, I believe that it, Tokyo finally uh, announced that they would be postponing. So first of all, your reaction to all of that? Um, well, I was obviously the, the Canadian Olympic Committee and the Canadian Paralympic Committee had released a statement around um, not supporting a team or not sending a team if the Tokyo 2020 was to occur this summer. Um, it was something that I'm, I was definitely very supportive of because the situation we're in now is, is a little bit bigger than sport. You know, um, our world is, is in crisis. Lots of families are under significant stress and that's really sort of the immediate need to be, to be dealt with as a primary, um, you know, as a secondary, there's obviously concerns, you know, related to athlete safety and how do you send a team and keep people safe and, you know, villages themselves tend to be little, you know, incubators just because there's so many people there, right? They're, they can become hotspots. And so um, it's definitely been, I would say, for all athletes, regardless of whether you're in the Olympic Paralympic stream or not, Olympic stream or not, a very, I would say, emotional, not even necessarily last two weeks, sort of last month as this, been, this has been building. Um, so we're continuing to sort of work through it, but I was very supportive of the decision of the COC and CPC because this really is larger, larger than sport. Yeah. You said, uh, the villages can be an incubator. The word I was thinking was like a Petri dish, which is a little bit more graphic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, yeah, either, either really. Right. Like, uh, the reality is, you know, whether you go to, you know, Alberta summer games or Canada games or the Olympics or Paralympics, they're always, they're always places where, you know, um, keeping people healthy and making sure um, that, you know, germs and things like that aren't transmitted are really difficult, regardless of what layer you're on. So it's, it can definitely, it's, it's a hotspot, right? Anytime you bring people together, it can become a hotspot. So. And with something like this, you got so many different nations, all with different levels of, of technology and, and medical facilities mm -hmm. I don't know how you'd feel confident and safe with this pandemic that uh, a country could say, oh, we don't have very many cases, we haven't had any, but you don't know how well their testing is gone and whatever, and it could uh, 
really cause a kind of a recirculation of the virus. Even if by July things have calmed down, you don't know how something like that could uh, actually cause it to start up again. Yeah, well, and and I have the ultimate like I have I cannot say enough good things about the team um, from the CPC side. Obviously, I've never traveled with the COC team being a Paralympic athlete, but from the CPC side, the team that goes with any of the athletes that go um, to the multi-sport events is just absolutely fantastic. Like it is the most professional, stellar, well-thought team that, you know, we get to work with. Right. And so uh, Dr. Andy Marshall is, is the head of the the Paralympic um, uh, team. And so, you know, as, as people have gone through the last week, kind of gone through, I think the decisions around um, how, you know, how, how the COC and the CPC came to the decision around making the statement of how the, how they may approach this summer and how they wouldn't support a team. I really think the, the evidence-based piece has been significant. You know, it's clear that they've really been thinking logically about the evidence that's sort of in front of them around that. And so I have ultimate trust that wherever they take us, it is absolutely we are we are taken care of to the the the, the best possible outcomes. So, yeah, it's absolutely you're walking into a scenario where there's a lot more uncontrolled elements. But the reality is is that the team that supports us in getting there is is so amazing that if they are you know saying we're good to go, then I trust that. And if they're saying you know what we can't do it, then there's a good reason for that too. So. Um, it still pulls on your heartstrings. It's still a very sort of emotional time, but I know that the the process that the COC and CPC has taken to get in getting here has been so thoughtful on all fronts and just really in relation to, you know, the impact on the world, not just Canadian athletes. And I really, really support that. So, so in the weeks leading up to the decision that happened just over the weekend, uh, as a member of the Athletes Council, uh, how in the loop were you? What kind of information was being shared? I know that um, th- there wasn't time really to do a kind of a broad-based consultation with athletes, but were you as a as a council member being kept informed as to what information was being shared and what the timelines might even be on a decision? Well, I think it's 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 a very, like, it's been you know, every day since the the coronavirus and the COVID thing sort of picked up, every day has just like flown into the next with new information. Like just the amount of information that has been going has been going at just a staggering rate. Uh, they this was the decision of you know the decision of the COC and the CPC was unanimously supported by the COC Athletes Commission and the CPC Athletes Council. Um, they were the CPC from our perspective, Karen and her team, Karen and Kathleen and all of their other team members were really good at sort of keeping us in the loop and talking us through sort of what all the possibilities may be. It obviously, just the rate that the whole, you know, COVID conversations, even in our country, irregardless of sport have been going at, has been just, you know, hyper extreme in some ways. And so uh, we were always kept in the loop. Coming to decision, it was something that I know um, that both athletes' councils were very supportive. The NSOs all step have been stepping forward and, and, you know, also indicating their support for the decision. And so it's something that was very clear, clearly supported within the Canadian sports system as a whole. So I know part of the decision too for uh, some of the national Olympic committees in concert with the national sport bodies was 
when will we even have, even if it clears up in the next month, uh, will we have time to uh, have playdowns and and or tryouts for the team? Like we're we would we're getting close to those times now where you know for national track and field championships that's in the third week of June. Uh, if we don't know for two months whether that's going to happen, yeah, you can't just say okay in the middle of May. Okay, it's on now. Very difficult to do. Yeah, absolutely. And the the extra step for that on the para side is is the fact that you need to do classifications of athletes before that. So there would be a number of athletes who um, would need to do their medical review. Uh, we talked a little bit about classification last time, but yeah. to just just get ensure that they've been reviewed and, and approved by the IPC for what their classification would be, the North American opportunity for that, there's usually between like, depending on the year, six and eight to 10 maybe, opportunities for that to happen 10 being a very high number maybe only one year we've actually had 10 so it's more likely but kind of between six and eight and most of those have had to have been canceled obviously right because it's not safe for athletes to go into those spaces right um the north american um version of that was a track meet that was supposed to be in arizona starting next week and that's the only opportunity in north america for athletes to get classified and that won't occur so you know, there's the the time of getting performances, you know, before nationals or whenever the selection ours went into July a little bit. Um, and so there's there's that piece of it, but there's also the four para athletes, the the classification piece before. So both both Olympic and Paralympic streams have some very real considerations in ti- around timing for gaining those performances, especially if you have events where you're you don't peak necessarily multiple times. You know, some of the endurance events you really like marathon, which obviously, you know, has occurred, but some of the more longer distance races, really, you have a couple of shots, you know, you come in, you try to do as many races as you can after coming down from, from altitude and, and you go from there. So your time period isn't, it isn't necessarily even the whole summer in an ideal year. So yeah, the, the getting all the athletes qualified and that's only our sport, right? <laughs> yeah. When I think about, okay, it's easy as a, you know, I think of being a distance runner, it's, you know, you can still train, you, you can do it on your own. You can, you can do speed training, whatever you could stay training. But then I think, well, what about the swimmers? Like, yeah, the they can't go to the pool. It's closed. Well, team sports, team sports, right? And team sports, right? Basketball, you know, like even, even within track and field, you know, there are some, the, the limitations um, can be fairly significant depending on your event, right? Endurance. Pole endurance, vaulters. Yeah, pole vaulters. Um, throwers in some ways, you know what I mean? Like sprinters, there's, there's definitely differences in how, how easy and accessible training is right now for people. And that really is dependent also on where you're at and what, you know, what the federal provincial municipal rules are as far as being able to be out in the world, you know, there's. And right now they're getting tighter, not looser at this point. So a good time to, to make the call. Um, I guess the last one to drop uh, was today uh, World Athletics said that they were postponing the World Under-20 Championships, yeah. and but they did have a, a timeline as to what they were postponing to. Now, being an uh, age class competition, it's tough to push that out a year unless you extend the year. They said they would postpone it, and they're working to find a suitable time. So... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see those guys try and see if they could get it in in September or early October in Kenya. 
Um, but it remains to be seen how that goes. Well, and, and like you said, it's an age, age class event. So this might be, you know, first opportunity for some of our future, future Olympians, you know, to gain that world level experience and next year they could be too old. Right. It's very, very delicate. Well, I have a son that's a 2001 and he texted me today. He says, if they push it to 2021, they better let us in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are all the logistics that they'll have. We'll have to work through like as a community, right? Like, cause there's, there's a million of those questions related to every discipline for every track meet on every level. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So in working with the two committees, pardon me, it came out the last couple of days that there will be some resources for athletes. And maybe you could just talk about uh, that a little bit, Jen, about what's been put together for athletes to, to prepare themselves to cope with this and to keep training or whatever. So just talk about those resources that are available. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll start with the more kind of the more structured ones and then I'll get maybe more into the informal. Um, you know, for, for athletes who've been on a national team in the last uh, few years, there's obviously always a program called Game Plan. And that's a program that helps you uh, work your way through the transitions of life, essentially related to uh, related to sport. Um, there's a heavy emphasis on sort of uh, retirement and transitioning out of sport. Uh, but Tom Hall and his group have really set up a broad structure of information related to, you know, working through change as a whole. And so that's a really good piece there, too. That program is also supported by uh, Morneau Chappelle, who provides more formal services related to um, if people need to understand information, you know, related to stress or talking to a psychologist or different things like that. Um, And so that's always a really good, a really good resource to use. I've used it for a couple of different things over time. And they're really, it's really a fantastic thing, thing to do. I know that they're getting in the process now of getting more information out. um, And all of these organizations may have information up now, but I would encourage people to continue to check back over the upcoming days because I know they're all looking at adding more and more. I also know provincial branches are starting to get information up there. So Athletics Alberta, uh, just as an example, um, is starting to get up some online programming just related to um, supporting the any of the age group uh, coaches and being able to deliver training to athletes virtually over email. And so, you know, talking to your coach as an athlete is an excellent thing to do because there, there are definitely lots of things you may be able to do, even from the confines of your house. Uh, but looking at Alberta, Athletics Alberta and any of the other provincial branches across the country to see the information they have up is, is excellent too. I know that um, there's also been a, an emphasis as well from the coaching perspective just on uh, availability of coaching education. We know that this doesn't just affect athletes. You know, coaches are in this as well. Um, For some of them, these may be income streams that are being affected in different ways. And it's uh, also stressful for coaches and families and sort of everyone that is in the that is in the the system of supporting athletes. One thing that athletes could also look into, too, is many of their university schools or sometimes parental health plans also have a lot of supports uh, related to working through change. Um, speaking to people if you're feeling significant stress or if you feel you're having trouble, you know, sort of working through some of the the emotions that you may be having, it's always an excellent uh, opportunity, 
you know, they have, uh, these health plans have people that are able to support you in that way, but there are a variety of sports psychologists around as well. And sometimes I use a sports psychologist all the time. Matt has saved me from myself many times in periods of stress. And just having someone to talk to that's independent from yourself and a little bit outside the bubble can bring such a, an immense amount of, you know, perspective and relief. And so um, I'd really encourage anyone who, who is interested, um, look into what you may be able to access, you know, nationally, provincially, don't, don't even necessarily have to stick with Alberta. You know, a lot of the other provinces have information online as well. Um, and really look into what, what may exist within your school plans or your, your parental health plans. The less formal part to that for support mechanisms is really like your families, your friends, your coaches. Um, it can feel super hard sometimes to feel like you can be connected to people when you're not really able to be as freely in the world as you, you normally are. But really talking, continuing to talk to your friends, family sometimes, you know, they, they tend to be the first people maybe we start to get a little irritated with when we're in close confines. But humans as a whole, and, you know, part of the reason why I think many of us love track and field so much is because it's a bit of a, a pack sport, right? Like you're surrounded by other people. You know, they may not all be in your event or your training group, but there's always people around us. And so just making sure you're getting out and, you know, continuing to connect with people. For me, just as an example, FaceTime has been a huge, you know, WhatsApp video has been a huge um, success for me in my mental health, just because then I can see people, you know, it's a little different than talking to someone on the phone, because you don't, it's not quite the same level of connection. But as soon as I started, you know, video chatting with people, it really helped alleviate my personal stress, just because it, it doesn't feel like you're so far removed. So those would be a lot of the things. I think it, it's good for athletes to sort of think through and use as much as possible. The other thing I would say too, just as far as a support mechanism is really, although we're going through lots of emotional, you know, peaks and valleys in this, really do trust yourself as an athlete, right? Like follow your gut. You've been trained as an athlete, you know, for, for many of us, it's not our first year. And so if you feel like you need to do something to burn some energy off and you can only be in your house, Think about what you've done historically, you know, at practice or at training that you may be able to do in your environment. It's hard when you go from burning an, a lot of energy every day, all the time to, you know, not not having the space and the, the energy burn that you previously had. Right. So follow your gut. Think about the things that you may do. But really, if it if it sort of feels like maybe you need to talk to someone, reach out. If it feels like you just want to think things through or you want to, you know, go online and Take a look at what you can, you can do for yourself to be a better athlete, to, you know, learn or plan or diversify your skills, you know, sort of listen to yourself and what will help you through this, but really connect with the, the networks you have. So that can feel a little bit hard to do, you know, in our current state with social distancing and other things, but there's lots of ways you can really stay connected. So that's, that's been a lot of what helped me, you know. I think maybe being creative with some of these things, you mentioned, you know, video chat. Well, maybe instead of doing a video chat where you just sit there and talk to each other, it's like you do a burpee challenge or a squat challenge or, or something with that with a trading partner over over video, right? So that yeah. you're breaking things up. Yeah, well, and you can even do like, like you could even do, you know, like training group circuits, 
you know what I mean? Where everyone, you figure out what, you know, platform works best for you. You call everyone in and you find online, you know, uh, a workout that someone has put out in the universe. That's a bit of a diversity of, of, you know, strengths and, and you go from there, right? Like there's tons of cool things you can really do. It's, it's easy to kind of get caught in the news of the day. Uh, but there's lots of cool things, you know, kind of online that can make you really think about, just really think and, and burn through some time that also will make you a better athlete. So it is in a strange way, even though, you know, in a silver lining kind of way, this is a, a time when you can really, we have a bit of a time to sort of slow down, think about things more. It's a bit of a reset. I know the timing for track and field was terrible because people were so close to outdoor season so close and like that's just the like you know the the most exciting part of the year is the first outdoor meet of the year um but there's still things you can do to think you know when you're inside like I was looking I was looking today and there was one that was talking about like the top 25 um most popular TED talks of all time you know and they're related to a whole variety of things and I was watching one and they're sort of between eight and 20 minutes long most of them and I was, I was watching a couple of them today and I'm like, this is totally relevant to track. You know what I mean? Like, and so there's a bunch of things that you can do just talking to, you know, being a little creative and stepping outside the box to, you know, get more physically active and still stay connected and to build other capacities as, as an athlete. So. Yeah. Get more mentally active. Don't just binge watch. Riverdale. Yeah. And binge watching is right. nice sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, well, sometimes you need to yeah. shut down, but you, you yeah. like you say, a chance to to, uh, to have some time to learn something new or kind of sharpen the saw a little bit. Yeah, right? absolutely. You've been uh, working on some of these things, and uh, you know, on the athletes' council of the two organizations, and thinking probably a lot about other athletes. Have you had a chance to kind of take a breath and and figure out? Uh, where you're at, you were, uh, you told me last time it was kind of like a super year for you to go from, from worlds that was so late last year, kind of straight into this season without, uh, you know, so the, cause you knew that when, uh, the Paralympics were going to be. So now that's all changed. You got a whole nother year to prep as, does it mean backing off a little and kind of rebuilding up to another peak? Have you thought about that? Have you talked about that with Kim and where are you headed? Yeah, we're we're in a bit of a, yes, to answer your question, we ab- I absolutely have been thinking about it a lot, uh, just because there's a lot of time to think right now. But um, I think that, um, yeah, we're going to, last year for me was a really excellent year. Like we had talked, I think, just after Pan Ams, but before Worlds. And yes. I've had a personal best for my new spin at Pan Ams. And then we went to Worlds um in Dubai and I got a huge personal best there off the spin like a meter and a half it was excellent so I I had a great year you know the investment in time that we'd made in really kind of taking things apart and rebuilding them just came through Uh, and so I'm super excited about that I think that um we're gonna have to sort of see obviously we need to hear from the IOC you know some timing around when the Paralympics will be and that will set sort of our formal path I was very excited about this year and I was feeling so good after last year, for sure. For me, I still feel some sadness just about, you know, and not going ahead this year, but I know that will pass because I also on some levels feel like excited because 
this is when we, if we just continue to grind and do the work and, you know, work on all of my cues kind of one piece at a time, this is when we can really start to lock things down for me technically. Um, you know, the strength part, the strength for me is always really good. I'm, that tends to be one of my consistent, consistently dependable areas. Um, but this really gives me the opportunity to kind of refine some of the technical things that we're really working into now for the, ne the whole next year um, in a way that we weren't sure we'd necessarily have because we thought, you know, Tokyo's in August, we'll be able to still get a ton of work done this season. But we, there's always a bit of a clock when you're in the Paralympic year, right? Like you just know, you you get from one year out and sort of the whole vibration around the event starts to to go up and you're more aware of, you know, timing and how things are going. And, you know, just the smaller details sometimes seems larger. And so it's sort of nice that we have the time to be able to really lock things down. Um, as far as the scheduling goes, we're just going to kind of have to see. Obviously, right now we need to, like, my priority is not, you know, track because we need a healthy community, right? Like, we've really, we've been lucky that no one in, in my world yet has shown any signs of sickness, really. Um, I'm still healthy, but we really need to, you know, be aware of making sure we're, you know, for me, I'm doing the social distancing and supporting the community in as many ways as I can. Um, outside of that track piece. So we'll we'll kind of just have to see how it goes. We have more time and that definitely makes me excited because it just gives us more time to kind of sharpen and refine everything we have. But the path for me is still a little bit unclear just because it's not really about track right now, right? It's about taking care of our world. So so from a fan's point of view, I know, you know there's nothing this year, but somebody said, well, that means they've pushed worlds uh, from 21 to 22. So we'll have an Olympics, a world's a world's and an Olympics four years in a row with a major competition. So that's the, the glass half full. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll just kind of have to see, right. I, I don't believe those decisions have really been made or, or publicly communicated yet, but yeah, it's possible, right? Like Commonwealth games is in there. Yeah. Sort of at the, this year it was early cause it was in Australia. Well, this cycle, it was early. Um, but it would be in 22 in the, more in the summer of 22. Yeah. Cause it's in, I think the UK, I can't quite remember. Um, but that's a smaller event just because it doesn't on the para side, it doesn't have, there's usually two or three para events in there, but not a huge schedule, but yeah, it could, we could have more, more things in a row. Right. So we'll kind of have to see. It's a wait and see on all of this stuff. Well, Jen, thanks for taking some time to talk to me. Good luck with your training and your planning as we move forward. Uh, there won't be much to report on for, for track and field news, but I think what I had an idea today, I'm going to send out a message to everybody I know and have them tell me what their favorite event that they watched as a young person that helped influence them to get into track and field. And then I'll try and put that all together as a, as a single yeah. podcast. So the kind of like a, you know, a history of so so you get first shot that sounds awesome i guess yes i know what mine would be but i'm not going to share it now i will okay we'll save, save it for the next one. one yeah we'll save it for the next one but i definitely have i have two moments in time that i could share with you so. okay well you can just record that and and email it to me or or whatever and and we'll or drop it on my uh, twitter and we'll uh, put that together maybe in the next week or two 
Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Okay, Jen, good luck. Thanks again uh, for spending time with me. Thanks so much. Once again, thanks again for joining me on Tracking West. You can subscribe to this podcast through Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and any number of other podcasting software. You can follow me on Twitter at Tracking West and be updated when new episodes come out. My name is Stuart York. This is Tracking West.